friends. Uh, welcome to another week of Lenten Deep Gospels. Um, I'm really excited about our conversation. I'm actually, I am really excited about this conversation, but this is going to be one of those conversations where this passage was one of those, I have a lot more study of scripture to do before I feel like I have a grasp on what's happening. I don't know if you guys felt that way. So I think wandering through it together is just, that's going to be the gift. Um, so I hope you, uh, if you're watching, I hope you enjoy watching lots of wondering aloud. Um, and I always love to do that with my good friends. So um, if you don't know me, I'm Haley. I'm the associate director at Campus to City. And I'm joined by Brooke, our associate director of community and Allison, our ministry assistant. Are you a ministry assistant with a particular title that I'm forgetting? I don't think so. <laughs> I think I'm just ministry assistant. Was like all ready to be like ministry assistant of awesome. That's what that's like, I'm second guessing myself now, but I think it's just ministry assistant. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's going to be um, a really interesting conversation. Um, we are a little trio today. Um, so thanks for your flexibility and enjoying more of an intimate conversation. Um, while we talk about this passage in John. So I'm going to ground us in a word of prayer and then we will get started. So God, thank you so much for this conversation, for your word, um, for the wonder of who you are and the wonder of being revealed through scripture, through conversation and relationship, um, experience, all of these things. Um, I pray that you would reveal yourself some in this conversation and in, the, in these friendships, um, in these individuals' experiences, and in reading the scripture together. Um, we ask this in your holy name. Amen. Allison, will you read John 12 for us? Yeah, so um, as he just said, our scripture is John 12. 20 through 33. I had to check my notes for that one. Um, I'm using the Common English Bible right now, if you want to follow along with it. Um, some Greeks were among those who had come up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda, I don't know that one, Bethesda in Galilee, and made a request. Sir, we want to see Jesus, Philip told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Jesus replied, the time has come for the human one to be glorified. I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their lives will lose them, and those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. Whoever serves me must follow me wherever I am. There my servant will also be. My father will honor whoever serves me. Now I am deeply troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this time. No, for this is the reason I have come to this time. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard and said, it's thunder. Others said an angel spoke to him. Jesus replied, this voice wasn't for my benefit, but for yours. Now is the time for judgment of this world. Now this world's ruler will be thrown out. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to me. He said this to show how he was going to die. 
Thank you, Allison. A lot happening in this passage. I will say, first of all, um, that I really appreciated your reading and honesty about pronunciation, because the truth is anything I sound like I know how to pronounce, I'm just repeating how I've heard other people pronounce it. So if they ever pronounced it wrong, I have no clue. I've been pronouncing it wrong the whole time. So, um, and then if I don't know, I just kind of say it boldly and embolden future generations to continue to mispronounce it. So, um, but also there's just, there is a lot going on in this passage, the characters, the imagery, um, the divine elements that we have going on. So there is a lot to break down. Um, and the best way to start is with what we like. So I'm going to ask Brooke um, to go first and let us know what you liked. Brooke, did you want to start us off with what you liked? You're still muted. I can't hear you. Y'all know how the Zoom does the thing and it like kicks you out and then it brings you back in. It, it's been doing that, but let's see if, if God will choose this. Um, yes, so I had the weird experience of, I really liked a lot of it. I, I really enjoyed the majority of what was said. Um, I um, also, I'm sorry, y'all, I am kind of sick. So I think my head is sort of like not doing the thing. Um, one, I love the setting. I thought it was a good setting. I did a deep study on the setting in 2018. So I recognized that and I thought that was good. Um, it kind of reminds me of kids when they're like, oh, I want to like, take me to see Jesus. Um, like, I want to see Jesus. Cause sometimes the older kids will be like, oh, I want to see Jessica in the little kid room. Um, and just, just, it's just sweet, loving energy. Um, I have this fascination with Jesus's passion and Jesus's sacrifice. And I have a bunch of questions around that and ideas around that. Um, but I'm very interested in Jesus's emotional experience um, of his sacrifice and of his pain and of knowing that. Um, I think I said the other day when I was thinking about the crucifixion and the Last Supper, I was like, I just don't think Jesus had an anxiety disorder because I don't think I could calmly eat with my friends if I knew that like I was going to be crucified the next day. Um, but I think that this passage gives us an idea of how Jesus, this is like, I don't think this is the day that Jesus is going to die, but he's already thinking about that. And I think it gives us an idea of how this is difficult for Jesus, but also how this is what Jesus is calling us into, um, into the sac 
self-sacrificial way of loving people. Um, and I really appreciate it. Sometimes Jesus says these things that <laughs> theologically, and like, I, I don't know how I feel about that. That sounds a little bit not loving. Um, but this time, I do think that what Jesus said was loving. Um, I still have a tone problem, but I'll get to that in the next section. Um, Brooke, is John your favorite gospel? No, John, no. <laughs> I've always struggled with John because John has some strong theological opinions that aren't mine, um, in my opinion, in my reading. But I think Luke and Mark are my favorites. I, I'm really enjoying Mark, not Matthew. And yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, or I, one thing I think, tend to be your likes in John and and they're things I enjoy seeing too is the imagery because I think John has a way of painting a very beautiful word picture so I heard that in your like um, and then also that kind of realness of the emotion emotion happening here um, Allison what about you what did you like yeah so like in the spirit of honesty again um, I hate to be so opposite from Brooke but I had such a hard time with the scripture <laughs> That like when I eventually did under start to understand it after reading it a thousand times, I do see like the beauty in certain parts, but I'm still am struggling with this scripture for some reason. Um, but with that being said, that can be more of my challenge later. I just I did um, find a couple of things here or there that kind of stood out to me, and um, it's mostly like I'm trying to think of the right word for it. I don't want to use the word dynamic, but like in verse twenty eight. Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. And then, and then God does, you know, in that moment of time when Jesus needed him to be like, this is the thing, this is what is happening. God gave Jesus what he needed. And so I like that dynamic of like, I just can't think of the right word to describe it, but um, the fact that he was there when needed and that he was kind of helping Jesus along through this part of everything going on. I don't know if I described that good enough, but like I said, I've been, I struggled with this, with this scripture for some reason. Now I, um, I did too. Um, I think I said some of that in the intro, but it was kind of one of those things where I first read it and I'm like, okay, these guys are here. I can't tell if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And then like God's talking, but I can't tell like who could actually hear God or not and like what was happening. So there were like so many things where I felt like this is just one of those passages that remind me, I just have so much more study left to do. Um, but I don't mean that to sound like one day I'm going to get it. Just that I think that there are parts of this that like go back to festivals that are just not in my instant recall or like Brooke shared about like having studied a little bit about the place. And so if you do that and you can see other things happening in that place, sometimes the, the writer knows that those things happened and they want you to be thinking about that. And so that's definitely not something, that's one of the things where I'm like, maybe one day I'll come back to this passage with a little bit more knowledge that'll like trigger a few things for me. Um, so um, for me, even though I, it was challenge, 
like it's a challenging passage. There's several things I liked. Um, they may just be surface level things where the more I tease them out, they're gonna be my exact challenges. Um, I liked, all right, these uh, two dudes, I don't think we have their names. Well, I guess we don't know if there's two of them. It just says some Greeks in my Bible. Um, these guys who wanna see Jesus, Jesus' immediate response in the message version is time's up. That's it. Now it's time because these guys are being introduced to him. And I liked that because it made me just think about Jesus' relationship with God, with this like plan and things to be looking for this idea that God might be preparing Jesus so that he's just not like it's not just all of a sudden good Friday but there are these moments that like form him over time um, and to me what I heard in that was like this is one of those things that I've told you about in our prayer life um, it's kind of like those really silly prayers I did when I was a kid of like if you make a dog like cross the road, that means I'm supposed to do something, but like it's Jesus talking to God and it's real and not just like me trying to make magic happen um, in a way that like God doesn't really work for me. Um, I also liked the ambiguity of God's voice in the sky and like who heard it. Um, I liked this, I like his image that has to do with like farming and like wheat. Um, so the, and him using this image for his death and resurrection. Um, so yeah, I'll stop there, but those are a few of the things that I liked. Um, but as soon as we start to kind of like rub up against this passage, I think we hit some challenges. So Allison, did you have any you wanted to share? Yeah. So I'm not even going to lie to you. It took everything in me. I think I just started my likes and my challenge with a pretty, pretty much the same phrase. Anyway, it took everything in me not to just be like, this scripture is just a challenge. <laughs> Like that was when I read it the first time, that was just my initial thought. I was like, can I just name the whole scripture? Can I just say like reading this particular passage is my challenge because I like reading the Bible is hard and I know it's hard for everybody and it's not just like a me thing, but sometimes it just feels so much harder than it should be. And like I said earlier, this passage just for some reason did not click with me the first time I read it or the second or the third or the 10th. And I just like kept rereading it and pulling out things. Um, and now that I understand it a little more, I do think that like one of the challenges for me, and this kind of is a common challenge for words. This is a common challenge for me kind of just throughout different parts of the Bible is just like Jesus knowing he's about to die and just like casually going through all this stuff. Like it's, you know, like he's like, yeah, this is gonna happen in three days, but let's just, and Brooke kind of said it earlier. Like he's just like commonly eating dinner with all of his friends. Like he's not about to die. And so that's always just been something general that's challenged me. And so after reading through this a few times, I realized that like verses like 27, 28 are talking about that um, and how 
and kind of the events that are about to come. So it's kind of a broader challenge, um, but I found it within these verses, so. No, I think that's a really important challenge because the more we wrestle with Jesus, like why he has to die, the more we're going to come up against these questions of like, what does he know? When does he know it? And why does he know it? Because in some atonement theologies, this is God making satisfaction for our sin. And so it would make sense. And I think John specifically has a lot of this theology throughout it, um, that God is sending God's son with that knowledge ahead of time that Jesus is going to make satisfaction for our sin. But that's not the only way to understand what's happening here. And if for me, I tend to lean into more of like the, the perfect blessed belovedness of God is just so distant and hard for us to understand that the world doesn't know what to do with it. And so Jesus' death is more at the hands of the powers and principalities of this world than it is God kind of giving over the lamb. And so we see like different lenses and understandings. And I also think we need to like blend a lot of different understandings together to try to fully arrive. But I think those are good questions to ask. Like, what does Jesus know? When does Jesus know it? Why does he know it? And how does that impact why his death matters? Um, and I feel like that is not just an important challenge for this passage, but just an important challenge for why we believe what we believe, because it, it impacts the way that we treat our, um, need for God and others need for God. And to what extent we believe their, um, like grace and things are accessible to everyone. Sorry for that being kind of like a soapbox, though. <laughs> Response. Um, I'll I'll just add in um, some challenge. I have a hard time narrowing it down to one thing too, because I really do think that this whole scripture is a challenge. There's a lot going on here. Um. You know, my first challenge was just like, why isn't Jesus excited to see these guys um, that he hasn't met yet? Um, but I think overall, um, I struggle with the voice out of the sky saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Um and that's Jesus has already called out saying, um, Father, get me out of this. No, this is not why I came to this place. I'll say, Father, put your glory on display. 
And then the voice comes out of the, the sky saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Um, this is very challenging for me to understand what is being glorified, um, for me to understand what it like what did that look like in the moment it seems like the glory is more from like the spectacle of hearing god's voice but what what i don't understand is what was the end result of that other than people just saying whoa for a moment like what did they get out of it like i don't understand like they heard it they said, it's an angel from heaven. It's just thunder. And then, and then what happened? They, they just move on with their lives. Like, was it a, a sign for them? Like, I just don't know. Um, and, and if y'all have any thoughts on that, please feel free to interject them. Um, uh, and so that's just kind of my challenge is kind of understanding. Um, I feel like in John more than other gospels, God can kind of speak in riddles and be hard to understand. And it's like knowledge is only reserved for the people who can figure out these riddles. Um, and so I have to say, I feel like I'm um, hearing God say um, that I'm not in that elite group that can figure out what this is supposed to mean. So um, that's my challenge. Brooke, what is your challenge? Yes, so I also had a few challenges. Um, I'll just go first off of what you said, Haley. Um, I think I got really excited about the first part and then I forgot my problems with the second part. I, um, there's parts of the Bible that just feel weird to me. Like the, I don't know the phrase, like the supernatural seeming stuff, like God speaking out of the sky. It's just like not my, maybe it's the phrase, it's not my theological aesthetic. Like when I think about God interacting with humans, I'm for Jesus, but like the voice out of the sky is like not quite my taste. Um, and I struggle with the word glory because it seems like a very, um, so I like humble language. I like human language. I like soft language. But glory seems like a kingly word, like a high up word. Um, pretentious isn't the word, but like this, like up above word. And I think that's the beautiful part about it, but it still makes me uneasy. Um, because I really like understanding Jesus as this upside down person, um, where like Jesus is everything, but Jesus becomes small for us. And I think sometimes I wrestle with the with the kingliness of Jesus. But even that, I struck 
I'm like going off on a tangent, but even that I struggle with because we say like Jesus is Lord and I'm not saying that's not true, but like, I don't think Jesus ever refers to himself that way. Um, so I, and I, yeah, yeah, but I struggle with the word glory. I also, I mentioned that I have a tone problem. Um, sometimes the way that Jesus says things just kind of like put me off and, um, and I sent y'all, I'm really excited about this. Maybe I need to share it with everyone, but there's a translation of All-Star, like the song All-Star into Aramaic. And then they translate it back into English. And I love it because there are parts of it that are really beautiful, but then there's parts of it that sound like really formal and kind of just like a different way of speaking when we speak, like it's not quite All-Star, like it's something different. And that reading that really helps me because it's wonderful. And also it reminds me that when Jesus is speaking, that's like literally Jesus's language. Like that's how Jesus talks. Um, that's just the way his language is handed to him. And I wonder if, if English comes off as like too casual or like what English sounds like. Um, like if we were to translate English into another language and then translate it back. Um, but I struggle with that. And then another thing that I struggle with, so I, I do have a specific atonement theory um, and I do have specific thoughts. Um, I think that the idea of being self-sacrificial and the idea of agape love, which is self-giving love, um, those are very important concepts to me, um, but I still struggle with them. I still struggle with the idea of someone sacrificing themselves for others, and especially because um, I think a lot of people I'm back. Um, Okay, um, and especially the idea of um, people, uh, oh, like people self-sacrificing themselves, like um, minimizing themselves for the benefit of others, but minimizing themselves in a way that like dehumanizes them, like makes them less of a person. Um, but the thing is, that's kind of like literally what Jesus does. Like Jesus like literally like lets himself be dehumanized in really violent and terrible ways. So I I wrestle with it. I wrestle with it a lot, but I especially have a problem with the idea of like um like I know this isn't what Jesus is saying, but I kind of read it as Jesus saying, like, I think like I have to die, <laughs> like, I have to die for other people to live. Um, and I just firmly believe that like the world isn't better for people dying. Like the world would be better if like we all stayed and were able to um, be with our loved ones. Um, I know like Jesus knows that too. But I still just struggle with that language and the way that that is sometimes theologically interpreted. And I don't know how to interpret it um, in a new way, but 
it's just something that I struggle with. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Brooke. I, um, I do have an atonement theory that is my primary atonement theory um, and situates itself in the redemption of Jesus that happens just beginning in the incarnation and that it kind of culminates in this moment um, to try to give a fuller picture so we're not putting all the impetus on the suffering and the death that there is something important otherwise Jesus in my opinion otherwise Jesus could have come as a full-grown person and just been killed that there was something important about living the entire human experience um the second thing I want to say um I'll I'll try to put a link to this when people are um watching on Facebook but I do think people need a small taste of the chorus of the all-star song to get the, get the context. Behold, currently, you are entirely a star child. Begin your power. Go laugh. Behold, currently, you are a master of the music. Begin your singing. Acquire your wages. All that sparkles is gold. Comets alone shatter the frame. <laughs> I thought maybe you were trying to unmute Brooke, but I didn't see you. <laughs> so <laughs> I just think it's worth it's worth uh, getting the full picture. <laughs> I just thought there are some that are really awkward where it's like her stupidity. I don't know. <laughs> um, I love that, like, because it's get paid, but it's acquire your wages. And I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I could contemplate this all day. I love it. And I can't help but think of it as like Jesus is all star. Like, if Jesus saying all star, this is the words that Jesus would use. And it's just so beautiful. <laughs> I think it also gives us an important thing to remember that while we're struggling to put these things in context and experience that these have been run through filters that we had no control over to get to the point we're at today. Um, and so in a lot of ways, hearing acquire your wages doesn't always translate to get paid to us in like a biblical sense that what I read Time's up. There may have been a, like a colloquial that I could compare that to, but I didn't have one. And so I was like, what the heck? Who's on a timer? And I also have um, young children. So I also was thinking about timers and timeouts. And, you know, we filter them through our experiences, right? Any other thoughts about the, the challenges, the wrestling? I really love these challenges because I also think that they're such larger context challenges that they mean something outside of this like small passage, but they really mean something for like all of the theology and how it applies to all of God's people. Uh, 
Um, our final question is finding the gospel implication in the passage. Um, I think I set myself to go first. So <laughs> um, my gospel implication is in this image of the death and resurrection, the hint of it. And because of the way the lectionary set up, we actually get this as the third in a row. So the lectionary is making a point that John himself isn't necessarily making in such a stark um, comparison, but we've had um, we've had John 316 and just like the serpent is raised up on the the staff, so is the son of man raised. Um, we've had John two, which was just like the temple is torn down. So the temple will be raised up. And so now we have um, this for like a third time where we hear him say, um, just like a grain of wheat has to be buried in the ground and dead to the world. So it will sprout and reproduce itself many times over. Um, and so my gospel implication is this larger story that God's time is different from our time and that things that seem like death and destruction and the end, like a dead plant in the ground can be used for life and that God would use this example um, for Jesus as well as a reminder that Jesus' time is different from our time um, in a way that I hope, that I feel is meant to be a comfort as we walk through Holy Week together um, to be reminded of that difference um, and not to allow like the despair to overtake us in that dark, dark walk, dark week. Um, so that's my gospel implication. Brooke, what about you? Brooke, do you have your gospel implication? I think I'm back. I don't know if y'all see me glitching. I'm, I'm, I'm back right now. Um, so my gospel implication, I think, is the same thing as my challenge. Um, I still think that there is something beautiful in this idea of love being um, self-sacrificial and um, I've got to put myself away for the sake of others and to love. I think I'm frozen right now. Am I frozen? She was good. I see you back. 
Um, yes, so I find there, um, there's still something that feels very much like gospel to me and the idea that to love people, we have to sacrifice something, that there's something in love that means that we have to give of ourselves. Um, I just want to say for anyone who's watching with us and patient with us that like the universe has conspired against us doing this deep gospel this week in multiple ways. And I just feel like in 33 where like Satan is called out, I don't know. All I'm saying is that nobody wants Brooke to give her gospel implication in the dark forces of the world. And I just need Zoom to be the light and overcome it because it's just not right. Yeah, part of me is wondering if God doesn't want me to say it. And I'm like, that's fine. This is gonna be the shortest thing that I said too. Um, but I think there's something beautiful. I think there's something like gospel. and. The idea that we have to sacrifice of ourselves and give of ourselves for the sake of others and that's love and that meant so much to me when i learned about the idea of agape i'm talking unusually fast because you never know when it's going to happen again um but i think when i first heard about the idea of agape love which i understand to be self-giving love it meant a lot to me because i think i'd been handed from our culture these ideas that love is something that is soft and not powerful and does not ask a lot. But the idea that love is something that like we care about someone so much that we will um, sacrifice for them. I still think that's um, such a meaningful concept. And I've heard people talk about how it's a problematic concept. And even as I'm saying that, I'm like, I think there's also something troubling in that but I still feel encouraged to seek the thing at the middle um the thing that is not the way and maybe maybe part of it is inherent they still think that there's this space where it can be loving and it can be good for both people um without going into this place of harm um and into this place of self-deprecation um degradation um and I feel encouraged to keep seeking out that space of how um, how to offer myself in love for others without um, letting myself be less of a person. Yeah, I really appreciate that. First of all, I just want to say I do not think it is God that wouldn't want you to have said it. I specifically said Satan wouldn't want you to say it. I do think that in this challenge we have of, of deconstruction and theological care for all people, that talking about self-sacrifice can feel dangerous because it's been used in such harmful ways. And yet I feel like a perfect kind of love 
which is not usually what we talk about in those types of relationships, is the kind of love that doesn't enable the abuse. <laughs> uh, it's the kind of love that like, you know, completes and corrects. And so I just want to say that because I know that that's where your heart is coming from, Brooke, on this walking this line, that self-sacrifice is a part of love, um, but not a part of shame or guilt or stuckness or that kind of brokenness. And you're right. It is clear in this passage that self-sacrifice is happening, even to the point where Jesus is wavering on whether or not he wants to do it. I mean, he, in one breath, he says, uh, get me out of this. Wait, no, this is why I came after all. <laughs> like, um, so anyway, thank you, Brooke. Um, Allison, what was your gospel implication? Uh, yeah, first I want to apologize for whatever y'all just saw my screen doing. I had to plug in my computer. It went from like charged to all of a sudden it didn't want to be charged anymore. Um, but onto my gospel implication, I feel like and I don't know why this is how it, well, sort of, I feel like the large majority of deep gospels that I've done, I've always picked the same or just found the same gospel implication. And I don't know, I feel like I always pull out trust. I mean, I don't know if that's just like from personality. I try to be a pretty trusting person, but I've been burned a lot in my life. And so I don't know if I'm like looking for ways for it to be okay for me to continue trusting. I don't know what does it but I there's probably been like maybe one or two that I haven't said trust I feel like I always say trust but in this instance I mean I found it again um and it just kind of goes back to my um like with Jesus and God and when Jesus says you know father glorify your name because he's looking for his support from God in that moment in time and you know God does and so I feel like from what I found is that it's a bit of like Jesus Jesus trusting God in that moment and kind of like mirroring how we should trust them. Um, like given the circumstances, everything going on there, if Jesus can do it, why can't we do it kind of things? Um, so that's what I had as my gospel implication. I don't know why I always pull out trust, but I did it again. I feel like we should go back and count the number of times Allison has said trust for gospel implications. <laughs> Well, I love it. I want to hear what Brooke has to say first, and then I'll um, share too. Um, no, I get that, Allison, because almost every single day at Bible and Breathe, I say like the same thing. And it's like, when am I just going to start doing that thing rather than just saying it as the thing that I need to do? Um, but I've heard it said a few times that people arguing that the word for faith in the Bible should be at least like in our context where the word faith is like kind of oversaturated in our religious language that the word faith should be replaced with trust like we we should be encouraged to trust god and that's like the call of one of the calls of a christian life um and i really like that idea and i appreciate you bringing that up so thank you yeah, and I was just going to add, Allison, that my hope from these conversations is not that people feel like they've heard from the experts. Like, I, I have some commentaries, but I am in no way an expert on reading scripture. It's, I want them, to, I want us to connect over those experiences 
and the experience, the way that your experience of, of needing trust and being able to trust God comes through is what makes um, this a conversation where we can all grow because you're here in that experience and pulling that out of us while me as a, a thinker can stay in think land and not actually need to like do anything and trust God with the passage. And so I really appreciate that a lot. And I, I think we did it. I think the Holy Spirit overcame so that we could actually have this conversation today. And I am very thankful for y'all. Um, and Brooke, would you mind closing us in prayer? Yes, let's see if Zoom lets us do this. Um, God, thank you so much for, for being with us here today. Thank you so much for Allison and Haley, and also for the people who did not make it today. God, please bring them on at another time so they can be heard from. Um, but I want to thank you, God, for who you are. I want to thank you, Jesus, for being yourself and for loving us and for existing and for still staying with us and being Emmanuel to us even now. Um, I ask that you will give us insight into who you are through this scripture and through all other scriptures, God. Um, be with us on our Lenten journeys. Um, walk with us. Um, have mercy on us, have friendship with us. Take us to all the places that you want us to go, God. And even when Zoom doesn't cooperate, and even when we are having hardship, even when parts of us just want to be very, very far away from you, God, I ask that you will pull through and shine through and still get through that darkness and distance um, and struggle, but you will still, still be with us and help us to always choose you all of us. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, friends. I hope that you have a blessed uh, rest of the week, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Gospel. Deep Gospel is a weekly conversation and ministry of Campus to City Wesley, a multi-site campus ministry serving college-age young adults in Northeast Florida. To find out more about worship gatherings and other ways to connect to our community, check out campustocity.org. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon supporter. Until next time, blessings.